This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This is the besotted... Pride of West London podcast. Looking forward to another weekend where hopefully three points could be on the bag. But first of all, we're going to have to have a little look back at last weekend when we played Borough. Things didn't quite go according to plan. Got in the studio with me, a couple of mates, the usual besotted crew. I've got Mr. Dave Lane. How you doing, hey. Dave? Yeah, I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. I've had a bit of a dry week. Um, looking forward to Saturday again. These 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 weeks come round very fast, and uh, they're going to get faster because we've got we've got midweek games to chuck into the mix now. So uh, it's going to be Saturday, Tuesday for uh, for for a, for a few weeks now, which um, I'm looking forward to. To be honest, these fixes this year have been good. They have indeed. Anybody or anything took your uh, your fancy yeah. caught you right at the weekend. It's been a couple of couple of stories. It's a, it's a, it's a very very positive story and a very, very negative story. Um, the, and the positive story is a bit is a bit mixed as well. Keshi Anderson um, going from uh, from Barton Rovers to should have been Brentford, going to be uh, going to be Crystal Palace. But he's a, he's a real sort of Roy of the Rovers. He scored a hat trick in six minutes for Brentford against Crystal Palace, and he he signed for Alan Pardew. On transfer deadline day for seven grand, and he's, he's straight into the first team squad for their game against Leicester. So it's just kind of like this meteoric rise, which we probably one that got away for Brentford, maybe. Um, and then the other story that's caught my eye this week was you know, Clark Carlisle's admission that he tried to commit suicide, um, which is terribly sad um, and just shows how how depression's a, a serious issue that affects everyone. Um, and uh, you know, there's there's more people that it affects than uh, than you you could ever guess. You know, just because everything looks rosy doesn't necessarily mean it is. So um, all our love to Clark Carlisle, to be honest with you, and hopefully he gets through this, and um, hopefully he can resurrect his career. Hopefully so as well. Great guy, Carlisle, and he's uh, obviously gone through a lot, and his family, the last few months or the last few years even. Also in the studio, we got the man, Mr. Matt. Allard, how you doing? I'm very well, sir. Yourself? 
I'm not too bad. I feel very relaxed again this week. And yourself? Yeah, yeah, very good, very good. I just like to second what Dave was saying about um, Clark Carlisle. It's something we need to talk about more um, and get out there, you know. Um, and there's a lot of people suffering with it, and we don't always realise. Clark Carlisle, very serious matter. Other than that, though, this week, anything else caught your eye? Um, I, there was an article in When oh, Saturday Comes that was online. I think it was um, from the 1992 season, our last season in the um, playing at this level. And um, there was some really interesting stuff in there and just how opposite the way we do things today is compared to that. So hopefully we can talk about that later. OK, we'll chat about that later. I'll check that article as well. And it was hilarious, well, especially the way they gave out Mars bars as prizes if you did well. It was a proper old school way of... Uh, it's no wonder we got relegated, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, don't know if it, I don't know if it says more about us or more about football in general, you know, back in those days. I think that's the way it was. I think that's just the way it was. I think it was, definitely. I mean, I remember Gary Blissett, I saw him a few months ago, or a few years ago, and he was complaining, saying, you know, why don't the players go behind and, you know, have a few beers after the game and just get completely hammered? You know, that's what we did, and it never did us any problems at all. So, um, I well, think it's a like, different it's culture. Like, it's like your Tony Parks interview, Bill. You know, Andy Feely cutting off the plaster cast on his ankle because he got so hammered, like, during the week. <laughs> And it was a game that week. You know, I know he wasn't going to play he had a busted ankle, but he was uh, so mashed that he cut his own plaster cast off. And Gary Blitt, <laughs> Gary Blitt, I mean, they weren't just drinking. Gary, Gary Blitt, I used to smoke back then. Gary Blitt owes me probably 50 silk cut. Um, he used to nick fags off me the whole time in the players' bar after the game. So, uh, yeah, they, they weren't just drinkers. They were, they, were, they were proper rock and rollers back then, boys. That's right. <laughs> Rock and roll football. But listen, let's hop back to the weekend. The weekend when Borough came down. The weekend when Borough came down to do a job on the mighty, mighty bees, as we say, on our videos. And they did that job as well. Listen, let's go back to the pubs after the game to see what the fans had to say. I've seen a lot of teams this season. And I could, in fact, I can't really count... Bournemouth are the only side that I've seen as um, equal as in terms of football ability, playing the game. That, what you've done to us today, especially first half, I've never ever seen that this season. I'll be honest, I've never seen that season. You're a proper footballing side. Like I say, we should... How we got how we got in at half-time in the front, I'll never yeah. know. I think, not just yourself, but I think other clubs, you underestimate how actually good you are. There's like Norwich, Southampton, they went straight through the division got promoted why can't you I think you're, you're the best side I've you and Bournemouth are the best side I've seen ok we won today 1-0 but well, let's be fair if that the game had finished 3-1-3-2 you'd have been you'd have, you'd have accepted as a Borough fan you'd have accepted that as a yeah, fair result we've come away they do say about the cliche statue grab that was a statue grab yeah definitely I think we deserve something out of the game for sure um, but at this level like we say you've got to take the chances we must have had five, at least five clear-cut chances first half. We've got to put them in the net. That's it, you get punished at this level. I said deal like robbery, to be honest, mate. It was, uh, yeah, we, were, we just couldn't keep the ball. It was like, I think 80% eight, possession for you boys. And if it had been 2-0 at half-time, we'd have probably taken that as a good result, to be honest with you. Um, so to get the penalty just before half-time was a bit of a, must have been a bit of a kick in the teeth for your boys. And I think... Karanka did, did the business at half-time and 
give the Borough lads a, a good talking to. I would say, well, today you're on a, a level above, to be honest with you. Some of the some of the intricate one-touch football, we couldn't get near you. Um, I think, as one of your boys said over there, I think we just did a bit of a professional job second half. I'm sensing a lot of positivity from the lads in here, and I think you, if you play like that the rest of the season, you should be... Uh, You'll be doing okay, playoffs at least, I think. We were as good as them in most quarters of the game. Uh, took the game to them right to the end. Uh, half time, I think we should have been going in 1 0 up, not them. And uh, unfortunately, we let a silly goal in. Uh, and at any level, that's a silly goal. You know, uh, come the end of the game, we were so close to equalising. Another day, we would have done it, would have floated off somebody else. And I think we'd have got a just reserve. At least get a point out of the game. We, if we'd have gone to Norwich and got a point, and we got a point today, we'd have all been fairly happy. That's two points, but we got three points last week. So Leeds next next game, yeah, why not? I mean, I think we're a very good away side. We've been uh, superb at an awful lot of games this year, and and create lots of chances. Yeah, I think, I think you guys are lucky in the first half, to be honest. Um, <laughs> sorry, I think. Um, it gave us a lot of problems certainly down our right you know hit the post and I think we were lucky that the, the rebound fell fairly, fairly kindly um, you had a lot of good chances but um, I think we were, like, we were lucky but certainly very fortunate to get the goal which was, a, which was the winner um, certainly against the winner player but I think it was such a hard team to break down like we proved against Man City last week um, you know like they give us the run around for the first 45 minutes you know, we got to half time, shored it up a little bit, and in the second half, apart from the very end, I think we were pretty tight at the back and maybe we could nip on the break. But no, I think Brentford are a great side, I think they'll be in the playoffs comfortably. It's not that bad, but if we want to go up, players are going to have to learn to cut out the mistakes. And I'm sorry, let's call it as it was. Harley Dean made an appalling mistake today and cost us the game. On the ticker tape, it should read Harley Dean 1, Brentford 0. I'm sorry, but we've got to name players out, call players out for it. And Mr. D needs to go away this week and look at what he performed. He's got to look at the DVD. He's got to look at how he plays and say to myself, that is not an acceptable performance. I'm never going to turn that in for Brentford Bessie again. I've got to be... There was one mistake where, you know, he should have headed the ball out or got rid of it and it didn't. The ball went over the top. But the argument also I'll say is that for defenders, defenders, if they make a mistake, defenders and goalkeepers, they can get completely hammered. Whereas if a midfielder or a, or a, or a forward doesn't do it, they don't get necessarily so hammered as defenders. That's a defender's life. Bad luck. Um, your mistakes might get noticed more. If you... if you want to go up you've got to have a strong defensive mode Harley Dean is not the answer it's not that bad you know the Bees okay, we've won quite a few we're still up in the playoffs we never expected to be there how, how despondent are you realistically not at all happy B yeah very happy B it was a really good game against a really good team and next week oh we'll win that one <laughs> <laughs> And that's what it's all about, isn't it? And the week after that, we'll we'll win that one as well. So, listen, we'll just put this one aside. This one's already forgotten. So, yes, after the game, fans weren't that despondent. Borough fans were wicked, gave us some really great plaudits. And a few thoughts from the fans there as well. Things like the Bees not taking their chances, mistakes in defence, and also interesting, the Borough fans saying... We're the best team they've played. That's the second week in a row that fans have said that. What are your thoughts on that Borough game, lads? 
Yeah, very disappointed to lose. Um, I don't. I don't think Brentford were at their very best. I think we we got we got a lot of uh, got a lot of positive feedback. Um, once again, you're right. Um, um, yeah, we we suffered up top. I, th- I thought I thought Gray Gray looked tired. Um, supplier wasn't quite what was expected. We we we, we were firing. You know, we for the first first half we looked we looked very good. Second half they rearranged themselves and they they, they, they kind of contained us. Um, we should have, you know, it's a, it's a game we should have got something out of. You know, we, we, we deserved something. We warranted something from that match. Um, but I, th- I think you're right about the, the fans. There was, there's a very marked difference between the reaction that we got from the Borough fans who seem to be wizened, um, honest, and and very deeply knowledgeable of the game. And they were happy to give credit where credit was due based on nothing about big club we are a bigger club than you all of that was just it was it was nothing it was just literally they they were quite they seemed to be quite content to just rate us on what they saw um and not judge us on who we are which is uh, a refreshing refreshing sort of uh, train of thought really so um yeah I, I think i think the positive to be taken out of that was that we can lose and go again we've, we've done that quite quite a lot we won three in the trot we lost one where we didn't deserve to um, so it was not really a negative. It just didn't quite work out. So I, I'm, I'm going to Leeds um, really confident. I, I think Brentford have bounced back well this year, and I, and I think they're going to do it again. There was a bit of a talking point in the pub, Matt, and the talking point was the ball that went over the top. Harley Dean left it, player nipped in, um, penalty, goal. Now, Tarky said clear it. Dean thought he said leave it. He left it, and mistake. And he got a bit of criticism in the pub. Do you think that was fair? Or do you think, look, that's the defender's job and he should have just done what he needed to do? You know, it's a hard one when you actually start talking about calls and talking about who heard what and who said what and stuff like that. I mean, if he genuinely heard um, leave it, or he thought he heard leave it, it's maybe hard to criticise him. But I'm... You know, should should you be telling someone to leave... to Sorry, to clear it, when really that should be his job anyway, you know. I I, I think I, I don't know who knows what was said. Um, I thought it was slightly bizarre that he did um, leave it. I think if you look at the reaction of Button and um, and Tarkowski, they also thought it was completely bizarre because the minute he steps forwards, they both go into panic mode. So I I don't think there was any confusion in terms of what the other two thought. I, I just it's still a little bit beyond me as to as to why that just didn't he didn't just head that out. He also just, to be honest, he also just said it was a mistake. It's a poor, poor judgment. I mean, it, was there really that much time in between the ball being played and this this communication breakdown? Was a, a carrier pigeon was sent and a letter was sent and an email wasn't received that said he said leave it and I, you know, it's just you, you just you just head that one out. I don't I don't I don't think there's enough time to to have the sound waves reach you and then you you kind of work out what to do, whether to leave it or head it clear. You know, anyone, anyone would have just played. You know, any any solid defender would have just nodded that one out. I think. I don't. I don't, I don't you don't wait for someone to tell you what to do in those circumstances. I'm sure. What What I would say is, it's not the first time he's done it this season. Um, he's got. A, I'm not saying he's got away with it. He hasn't had to pay for it before, but he does like that sort of where he sort of moves out of the way of the ball, and yeah, you know, it's a bit like you know, like in cricket when a batsman leaves it. It's a little bit extravagant the way he does it as well. Um, 
So, you know, I think, um, I think would I place the blame on Dean? I'm not so sure. But, you know, but then part of me thinks, just get the bloody thing out. I, I suspect he'll pay and won't play this weekend, though. The question I'm going to ask, though, with defenders, um, don't they get sort of undue criticism sometimes, defenders? We talked about this before in the pub, or we just mentioned it. If a defender makes a mistake, he can get hammered. If a goalkeeper makes a mistake, he can get hammered. If a, if, if a, if a midfielder or, or a forward are quiet, they don't necessarily get so hammered. So, you know, Harley D may make a mistake like this now or two or three weeks ago, and people remember that, and they say, you know, that's, that's really terrible. But, you know, at the end of the day... I mean, I remember, you know, Jamie Bates when he first started off, you know, Keith Millen, when they first started off Brentford, they were a particular type of defenders where we were like, mm, what's going on there? But it seemed that defenders, because of the job that they have to do and they have to come up against all different types of opponents, almost like a, a good wine, it takes a bit of time to mature and get better. Yeah, it, it, it possibly does. But the bottom line is that when you make mistakes like that, if, it, if it's a goal, everyone remembers it. If it's not a goal, we wouldn't be talking about it. It, and it is, it's a, it is a fact of life. You're, it, it is true that if a goalkeeper or a defender makes a mistake, it's it's more memorable. And and strikers miss so many chances, and you know they're not they're not always game determining. But I think what what compounds it really, and I, I don't want to be over 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 harsh on him because he, you know he's, he's a good player, and we have, we have to remember the pivotal role that he's played in getting us to where we are. Um, but Coming up with bullshit excuses, really. I just, you know, just say you made a mistake and you're gutted, and you know everyone's on your side. Just to kind of, you know, just I don't know, justifying it is a, is a lack of communication. Things happen far quicker than uh, there, there was. No, there was no communication, surely, in that situation. The ball was a slow ball over the top. It should have been headed out. Um, you know, it, it could have been a lot worse. Button Button could have got sent off for that as well. So it could have been a goal and down to ten men, and goal difference gets absolutely caned as well. So luckily, there's only one goal in it, and um, you know we can come out with some positives. But you know, I think you're right, Matt. I think um, I, I'm not sure he'll play Saturday. I'm going to ask you a question, Borough. They've done the double over us now. The thing that I thought, even when they played us and they beat us four nil, I thought that Borough was sort of like a good, strong functional side but nothing special you know compared to like when we saw sort of you know Derby when they played in spats and and Norwich when they played you know when they sort of kind of turned it up in the last 20 minutes but they they just sort of were functional and just did their thing and again they came down to us they weren't very good their fans admitted they weren't very good in the first half but they did the business now the question is that is that the form of a promotion team probably um they're gonna they're they're gonna consistently grind it out most weeks by being blander than us. Um, we're we're gonna we're gonna fail or succeed um, by playing to a certain style until we get the quality consistently in every department, which that's the game plan. We're working towards a perfect player in every position playing the style that's you know that we're seeing. That's going to take maybe another season, another two seasons. Maybe we'll never get it. Um, but you know, that, that, that's the that's the way. That's that's our that's our sort of blueprint for success is playing that foot, football with with young talent. Um, Middlesbrough, a little bit, yeah, oh, more, more functional. Um, certainly less dynamic, less less certainly less exciting. Um, so, but you know, they look they look good. 
in the second half for stages and they, you know, up at their place. Yeah, I agree. I, over the two games, not overly impressed, but you know, there, there's there's not many teams that are going to do the double over us this year, and um, unfortunately, they're one of them. Uh, yeah, functional. I agree. Um, the back four are strong. I think. I think if you look at the way Bamford played, um, that kind of sums Middlesbrough up because you know I, I see him as quite an an attacking player. He's he looks like he's got good touch and everything, but he spent most of the time sort of back defending and working hard. Um, you know, because he's playing out wide. Um, be interesting if he had been playing. If he had chosen to come to Brentford, or if that ever really was an option, I don't know. Um, I think he may be enjoying his football a little bit more at Brentford. Um, however, I think Middlesbrough will go up. I think you're completely and utterly right there. I think that the way that they've just carried themselves this whole season, they look like a side who are just going to just edge themselves into them automatic places. And also with the, the, the man at the helm, Aitor, who's obviously had a lot of experience, bit of sort of Chelsea, bit, bit of low, you know, upper league experience up there as well. I think he's going to know exactly how to get them boys into the next division. You say that, but Derby... We'll come on to that a little bit later because there's Derby and all the other teams we want to have a look at to see how we and everybody else are done in the transfer market. But first of all, we're going to have a little look around what's happening in Griffin Park and also what's happening around the Championship. Not that much exciting news at the moment now, but probably the most exciting news is the fact that we've got Alan McCormack. He's back. He played a development game against Cardiff a few days ago. Came through that okay. And uh, he knows that he's now back on the comeback trail, looking to to solidify a first-team place again. And he knows it's going to be a bit difficult because obviously the team have been playing so well. But it's interesting because we are talking about this, Matt, and you were chatting about earlier on this article from 1992 about a reporter that went down to Griffin Park, asked if he could train with Brentford for two weeks, and they allowed him to train with Brentford for two weeks. And it was a bit of an eye-opener as to uh, what our training regime was like and how a team who was just promoted to what was then Division 1, the championship now, was uh, able to survive and do certain things within that league, wasn't it? I, I think if said reporter was looking for a team that was um, going to sort of, you know, fulfil all these stereotypes of, of footballers, probably from a few years before that, to be honest. But um, he certainly found it when he went down there and found a load of players that love going out on the lash on a Saturday night in, I think it was Croydon of all places. Bananas, um, bananas in Croydon. Bananas in Croydon. Um, gave out Mars bars um, when they did something good in training or something like that. And um, and generally sort of, you know, enjoyed all those sort of little excesses that I, I assume footballers don't get up to now. I thought it was a lovely article. It was just, um, it sort of harked back to an era that probably doesn't exist anymore where where a, a kind of a Sunday league wanna, wannabe player could kind of tr- almost keep up with some of the Brentford players over a two-week period, you know. Um, and it did make me think, oh, what a great idea. Let's, let's revisit it. Why don't, I, why don't I call Warbs up and see if I can go and train with Brentford for a couple of weeks? Right? Like I'd survive for like five seconds, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, I'm, I'm fairly fit, but I'd, I'd last an hour max probably with these, with these guys, you know, so... Um, And and just for anyone who wants to know out there, we'll try and see if we can post it in some way on the Besotted website, besotted.co.uk. But um, if you just Google when Saturday comes, Phil Holder, Brentford, 
I'm sure you'll come up with it. It's, it's a hilarious article. I mean, there's one bit that made me laugh when uh, they'd done all their exercises and then they, they went to weigh themselves and miraculously they were even heavier than they were the last time they were on the scales the time before. So then they started to blame the scales to say the scales were broken. <laughs> one, one of the players, they said, was a stone heavier than he was at pre-season training. So who would that have been? Let's think about it. Would it have been like Billy Manuel, someone like that? Who, who were the ones in that era that had a weight problem? Feely? Probably. I mean, I, I don't know if he was there. It would have been Mickey. Martin Evans. Yeah, Evans. Uh, uh, Bennett carried a few pounds, didn't he? Bates. Bates, yeah. Batesy. Batesy. Yeah, it's Batesy, isn't it? Uh, I don't know <laughs> if Jamie, Jamie Batesy. Great article. Just talking about Brentford of old, and uh, it'll be interesting to see if the management have seen this to see whether or not they'll uh, <laughs> incorporate any of these old school uh, methods in on the training pitch at the moment. Now, I mean, I know they talked about the the, the corners, which they um, he was laughing about the corners that we took for to start off with, but then after he, he found that they're actually quite effective, didn't he? I, I remember well, it's the free kicks as well, wasn't it? And the, and I really remember this from the day because it fooled me at the beginning, was when, um, I think it was generally Blissett, and it says this in the article, when he would sort of run forwards as a free kick was about to come in, the free, and then he'd go, oh, what's going on? Why haven't you taken the free kick? And then they'd slide the free kick in um, as he walked back, you know, in an attempt to obviously catch the other team out a little bit and take, you know. And, and I, I was thinking, we have tried most other things from set pieces this season, so maybe we'll see that on Saturday. Well, Sammy Saunders tried it last year, didn't he, when he... Fell arse over tip and um, got got himself up and, and scored scored from the second attempt. So uh, maybe they're, maybe maybe they're sort of like they've got one eye on the pass. You never know. Here's here's the key thing though. The key thing is in the next game after this uh, in this article. I think we play. I can't remember who we play. Um, it might have been Swindon or one or another team. We score four goals from set Bristol, pieces. Bristol, Bristol City five one. Yeah, four goals from set pieces. We haven't scored four goals from set pieces all season. Yeah, so but what you say. We, yeah, we were a long ball. We were a long ball team. We were we were like a Norwich back then. We we were. <laughs> we were oh, we were. oh, I'm oh, not you <laughs> I'm not suggesting in a million years we should be scoring four goals and set pieces and concentrating on that. But not to have scored four all season, you know, I, I, I think that, that 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 shows in a way just how different we are. Probably more than all the training and stuff going on is that we survived on set pieces back then. And, uh, we, we play to our strengths. The last, the last time we ever sort of, I mean, I know we we pushed button up for a for a last minute sort of like foray up the pitch up at Bolton, but um, um, the, the the nearest we've got to sending the big men up is like, I, I, well, I can't since since Leon Legs gone, I don't Leon think Leg. they've sent people up, have we? Really? No. Defenders just stay back now and uh, forwards That's stay right. up. But transfer window. Having a look around the championship and what we've been up to. Window closed this week. Brentford activity was fairly mellow. We signed, you know, one major player, Jack O'Connell. We signed him from, well, he played for Rochdale a lot, you know, but he actually came from Blackburn, but he was, he was in Rochdale's promotion winning side last season. Comes with a lot of plaudits. A lot of people, again, tipping our caps with him. I think he cost about £250,000, which is, uh, you know, not not a massive amount of money if he turns to be a fantastic championship player. Apparently, we're going to be loaning him straight out like we did Tarky style to a, a Division 1 team, possibly Rochdale again. 
which means it probably won't happen. He'll probably be playing next week. Um, so, yeah, we got Jack O'Connell on the side. But other than that, I think the main transfer activity for Brentford was the fact that we actually didn't lose anyone, isn't it? I think that was a massive, massive thing for us. I, 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 honestly, I, I, it is a sign of how things have come, how far things have come, um, that we were looking to bring players in. But really, you know, the, the way the way we've excited this year, you, you can't tell me that some of the players that are in our team haven't been on the radars of Premiership clubs. You know, there, you know, I, there was talk of Adebayo being signed um, by someone else. Yota, my God, oh, he, he's, um, you know, he's, you know, he's destined for for greatness. Some in some country somewhere. Um, it, there's there's probably half a dozen players that you could take out of our team and and move up to uh, to a, a, a bigger club. Um, so to to have come through that unscathed was was the main was the main thing. I, I think if you know if we're if we're looking to to grow and we're looking to build upon what we've achieved so far this season, it's about it's about retaining the core the core of that team. So you know, and 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 again, the style in which we are growing is is, is bit by bit. There there, are, there are, there's nothing there's no revolutions that ever happen within this team. It's it's adding, fine tuning, tweaking, improving fine-tuning, tweaking, and that's that's the way it is. You know, he doesn't sack people, he, he, he backs people, and we've survived. And Matt, this, the thing is that there's been quite a lot of chat with people because all of a sudden it's interesting. Beginning of the season, everyone's like, oh, I hope we can survive, but obviously we're much more successful at the moment now than we thought we would be. We're in the playoff places. Of course, everyone's getting a bit of excitement, a bit of blood to their head. We come to the transfer window. We haven't signed the striker. We haven't signed Ben or we haven't signed Carlton Cole. And a lot of people start to get kittens going, oh, my God, Brentford, you know, you don't want to go up. And they're getting really excited. They, do you think they need to take a bit of a check of themselves? Uh, they're possibly a bit detached to what is actually going on because what's going on is we're building a side um, for the future. We're not. I just don't see us as a club that are going to go out and spend money on this supposed or you know is it taking a chance or star striker and, and just bring somebody in who's 28 years old plus it's just not going to happen um the only possibility is a loan maybe if we lost gray injured or something like that um i think they may maybe then there'd be some sort of small panic but i just i i don't know what people are expecting i did not expect us to be going out and spending three million on a center forward not unless the right guy came up, and I still don't think he would have cost three million. I still to say we don't need one if we if we are going to go up. But you know, I, I, it isn't the style of, of what's happening. You know, um, Matthew Benham seems to be bankrolling this significantly. You know, these aren't little numbers that are involved in running this football club. Um, but there's, there's nothing gratuitous. There's nothing really. There's nothing that kind of really stands out as a ridiculous amount of money being spent it's all very calculated all very measured and um you know it, i think it, we've we've seen it with un, under rod notes we've, we've we've seen way you know getting the credit card out running the debts up getting doing whatever it takes to get up it doesn't work you know what we're seeing now will work Just having a look at our other rivals and people in our league who are either 
in the playoff places, in the playoff places, the automatic places, or gunning for the playoff places, you can get an, you can get an idea of who's really going for it and who's actually sort of kind of taking a bit of a chill pill. Uh, and also, you've got to think that financial fair play is playing its part as well, where clubs can't think, I'm just going to go out, get the checkbook, and whack it down. Certain clubs, you know, clubs like Forest, who uh, who haven't even paid for it as somber longer. We'll come on to that in a little minute. But, I mean, let's just have a, let's have a little look down and see who else is doing stuff. I mean, look, Derby, they're the ones with the big beacon at the moment now. They're the ones that are thinking, listen, we missed out to a 90th-minute goal last season in the playoff final. We missed out on this big chance of us going up there. This league is a lot tougher than it was last season. That's what McLaren said. And they're probably thinking, we need to get out of this league this season or else maybe things might start falling apart. So they've got a bit potty in this uh, transfer window, haven't they? Have you seen they've got Tom Inks, who's, uh, who's, who's had more loans in the past sort of few months than uh, some people have actually had goals. Um, they've got Jesse Lingard, attacking midfielder from Man United. Um, obviously, Darren Bent has come in. Uh, they've taken a leaf out of our book as well, um, going over to Ebar, where Hotta uh, played for. And they've got Raul Albenstoza. Um, earlier on, a few weeks ago, they signed Warnock from Leeds, very, very good player. And they've got this Swedish international, Isak, was Swisswing Kambo as well. So, I mean, they've been really busy, haven't they? Out of that crew, I suppose the one we all know is Darren Bent. And um, I can say there is no chance, there is no chance we would be signing Darren Bent at Brentford. And um, I I, I don't know too much. I mean, I know Tom Ince, obviously. Not too sure about a few of the others, but I think that sums it up, really. They've been, I mean, that's, that's, that's their stall set out. I mean, they are, that's, that's shit or bust on that, really. But the, um, the other dynamic that's happening there is McLaren, his stock is increasing now. So he's come in as a bit of a kind of last chance saloon manager where he had to kind of prove his worth again. And it's working. He's knocking on the door of the Premiership. Almost was there that Bobby Zamora goal kind of cheated him out of a worthy Premiership place last year. He, Derby County, are, are probably thinking we have to back him. We have to, otherwise they're probably going to lose him. He he's got another another chance at a Premiership gig next season. So um, you know, it, it, there's, there's, there's lots coming to play. Derby were unlucky last year, and they they probably should have been the favourites to go straight up. And they probably they, I think they certainly are now. Bournemouth, they haven't gone pop yet. I think they will. Um, we saw it with Orient last year. It goes well, it keeps going well, and then all of a sudden, when it goes wrong, it goes badly wrong. And, and I think that could happen. That could happen at Bournemouth still. I hope it doesn't. And it's interesting. I'm, I'm really loving this Tim Pot United thing. I'm loving it. I think I, I love seeing him do well because that is us. But interesting, they didn't actually delve into the transfer market. Um, they tried to get Demerari Gray. So we say five offers going up to five mil from Birmingham City. And I thought it was quite remarkable seeing as Birmingham have been so skint recently um, that they didn't cave in to, to five million pound offer um, from, from, for, for, for Gray. And Bournemouth said, OK, we didn't get Gray. We'll just carry on and do what we're doing, which I thought was interesting. That, that may have been a bit of backing of the manager at Birmingham, maybe, because they've gone, they've, you know, they've gone from being appalling to actually be in a reasonable side. Um, and if he says he wants to keep Gray, then um, I guess they may have backed him there. Yes, indeed. Yeah, I mean, fair, fair, fair play to Brum for, for holding out, to be honest. Um, 
you know, if that, that shows their intent as well. They want to, they want to build, they want to be building for the future. Um, so uh, they, they, they've had, they've had some dark, dark days in the last couple of years. They almost went down last year. They've been at the very wrong end of the division this year. I know I still like Birmingham City as much as you two do, but um, you know they're a they're a, they're a team that is in the right place. You know, and you they they need they need to be retaining their talent. So um, good on them. And and this coming on to Forest. Got to talk about Forrest because, you know, obviously Stuart Pearce, we talked about him week on week on week. How much longer is he going to last? How much longer is he going to last? Boom. Stuart Pearce was gone. Then, oops, Dougie Friedman came in, which got us all by shock there a little bit, didn't it? You know, now Dougie, obviously, he turns around and says, look, Crystal Palace, our administration, I've got him out of trouble there. Bolton fans, obviously, not as happy with the Friedman there. Um, but interestingly, he's come in. They got a couple of decent offers for a couple of their players because obviously they've spent a bit of wedge down there. Henry Lansbury Burnley came in, offered a bit of dough for him. They turned it down because he said, "Look, no, please leave me with these players here." But the question that we've got to ask because obviously you saw the rant from Dara McAntony from Peterborough, basically saying one team, which we can assume to be Forest, allegedly, have not paid for a player which we assume to be a summer longer, allegedly. And uh, it's an absolute disgrace. So Forrest have got a summer longer. They're playing with him, but they haven't actually paid for it. The question we asked, I mean, I said, quite, you know, tweeted um, DMAC, you know, a bit of tongue-in-cheek saying, look, you know, can't you kind of uh, recall him, you know? Can't, can't you sort of put in a thing to the courts and sort of kind of bring him back? But should he, should he be allowed to play a summer longer, do you think, if he's actually not been paid for? I mean, he's scoring goals for them. It's a bit... Unfair, isn't it? I haven't thought about this in any in any sort of great detail, and that kind of makes sense. But I suspect there are no rules to say that. Um, I'm not quite sure how you know who owns what property when people haven't paid for it when they should have. By the time they should have paid for it, works in law, and whether that works for football players as well. You'd have to consult the higher purchase agreement. I think isn't isn't there? I don't know. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure if they haven't paid an instalment, there's solicitors involved. Like, it, I, if, it, if it was a couple of weeks late, I don't know. You, you get a solicitors' letter, wouldn't you? I, I think it does show how sort of dark and murky some of these dealings are. When you know you're still paying for players months or sometimes years later, just on the original transfer fee, or maybe they haven't paid an appearance. It would, be, of it the would be great. It'd be great to see the bailiffs turn up during the game, though, and just kind of like forcibly remove him from the pitch <laughs> and just kind of like fund, fund him into a brown bag and take him back to Peterborough. And drive him back down to Peterborough and just throw him on the pitch. Sweaty in his forest kit, yeah, bit <laughs> bewildered. <laughs> so, listen, other teams looking. I mean, Ipswich. Interestingly, we thought that they were one of the best teams or the best team that we'd seen play at Griffin Park, you know, that they played this season. They come one win in, um, I think they'd uh, only lost one game in 21. Um, Mick McCarthy, you know, other than a bit of slightly earlier business, like, you know, Noel Hunt and people like that, which he'd pulled in, which he had before. But really, he said, nah, I don't need anybody else. He shut it down. But on the flip side of it, Ipswich have actually only won one win in the last six games, I think it is. So, uh are they are they faltering? I, I wonder if Mick it's just Mick's ego, isn't it? He wants to take a team out having only spent ten grand on it. It's almost see. like a cha- almost like a challenge. Um 
yeah, maybe. I've seen it switch a few times this year, and I've been impressed. They look good when they're good. Um, it's it, hopefully we find them when they're not so good. You know, they're they're very strong in all departments on top of their game, um, but they, again, they're not that they're not that dynamic. They're not a flair team. You know, they're, they're, uh, McCarthy's a very, very shrewd tactician. And, he, you know, we, we saw it. That he set them up perfectly for that game on Boxing Day. Um, and uh, I don't know. So if, if they're not, if they're not, they're not fired up, if, if they're unsure, I, I think it's, it, it can be possible to, to suss them out as well. So um, yeah, I'm looking forward to going to Portland Road. I wish McCarthy had, had his nose sorted out in the transfer window. That's, that's, I, if I had his money, that's the first thing I'd do: get my get my get my schnozzle sorted. There's a couple of other teams as well. Let's have a look at. Um, let's have a look at Norwich. Um, their long ball game. They're trying to add to their long ball game by um, bringing a few big deals, and they all got scuppered. Um, last minute deals. I think there was a, a, a deal West Brom. Guys coming in from West Brom, four mil, I think, is accepted. But the the, the deal the other way around, Olsen decided oh, no. he, he couldn't do the deal for West Brom, so he didn't actually swap. So that fell through, and I think they had another player from Cardiff as well, who uh, who also got scuppered as well. So I think Norwich new manager has come in, and uh, he hasn't been able to add massively to what he had before, which is interesting because obviously they need to really go for it as well. Um, but to me, there's two teams who I think are really thinking, listen, we could still get in the playoffs. Um, shit or bust, as they say. One of them is Cardiff. He's put his stamp on it now. Um, and Russell Slade, Ewan Doyle from Chesterfield. I think the deal was just a million, just under a million or just over a million, I think it was, in different stages. It's Lee Pelter from Huddersfield, Scott Malone from Millwall, Stuart O'Keefe from Palace. Um, but from Blackpool on loan. Alex Ravel, obviously, got earlier from Rotherham. Um, plus, also, he's got Simon Moore in goal now as well on the regs. And also, Kadeem Harris is playing regularly as well. So, the side that he's got playing now looks very different to the side that played that we played against them even what, a month, six weeks ago. And obviously, boom, he's just going, listen, mate, this is what we need to do to get out of this division. Every time I see a Russell Slade signing, I think of that um, little story in that book, The Nowhere men um, about scouts where he asked his scout about a player his scout said he's fat he's shit he can just about head the ball or something like that and he said well I don't care because I want him anyway and they signed him and he was and they sent him out on loan four weeks later <laughs> yeah I mean shit shit or bust you put it I mean it's shit and bust I think is is Russell Slade at Cardiff I, I you know, I said it all, every every podcast that he's out of his depth there, and um, you know, I, I I don't think he'll, I don't think those signings will make much difference. I, I I can't see Cardiff, I can't see Cardiff going for the, you know, for promotion this season. He's uh, he's the wrong man there. And the other team for me, Sheffield Wednesday. It'll be interesting because they've been sort of quite tight, weren't that great, struggling to score goals. They got this Marnik Vermeil. I think his name is pronounced it wrong. Apologies from Man United. Um, they've got this Sergio Bus from uh, Siska Sofia. He's a forward who has scored about one in two goals for them last season, or this season even. Uh, they've got a couple of other players as well. And I think, again, they're going for that last minute sort of burst on the top six as well. So maybe a team to look out for. What was the first one again, Bill? <laughs> Monique Vermigil. Okay. 
Let me just check like that, that pronunciation. I've got the little, oh, little, little links as well. Was Thunderbirds? And then the other team, and we're going to talk about them in a minute, is Leeds. Three signings, and we'll talk them in afterwards. Because first of all, before us talking about Leeds, we're going to go over and we're going to chat to Dave Wilkinson from the Scratching Shed blog. He's going to give us what's going down up in Leeds. So, yeah, we're going up north, going up to the cold north, which is probably not as cold as down here in London. Speaking to Mr. Dave Wilkinson from the Scratching Shed blog. Excellent blog. A couple of articles that we've tweeted on Besotted as well that they've done. Actually, excellent articles. And Dave, how are you doing up there, mate? You cool? I'm good. You? I'm all right, mate. Not too, not too bad. You know, just want to have a little chat with you about Leeds, and like you said to you, about the ups and downs of Leeds and uh, what's been going down with you. Not been going too great this season at the moment now, has it? No, it's it's been something of a transitional season, I think it's fair to say, with um, a sort of mismatch of bad management and Neil Redford coming to the rescue again and again and again. A load of new players settling in, so I guess the the bad results were sort of to be expected. Again, like I said, there's loads of loads of you know on the field stuff, off the field stuff going on. Like I said, you know, three or four managers coming in and out, obviously unsettling for the team. You know, players. You know, you've had your embargo. You've had a new chairman that's come in. Like I said to you, Massimo Salino, who is a right character, um, seems to be doing certain things. You know, positive seems to be doing certain things that are a bit mad. And like I said, the Leeds fans seem to be split on Massimo. Um, I've seen him do some positive things, but on the other hand, like I said, he's set, I don't know, 20-plus managers in 20-odd in years or something like that. So he, he seems to be a bit impulsive as well. Doesn't that make you a bit nervous? Of Cellino? Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's it. I think he's, I won't say reckless, but certainly um, certainly prone to a, a mad decision every once in a while. You, you can't really weigh him up. You, you know, for every good thing he does, there's, there's sort of like two or three mad things or... You know, you, you you always know that he's motivated by the right reasons. That it's how he feels he'll get Leeds United back to the right place. But at the same time, you you know, you think there's probably better ways he could have gone about it. As we say, he's a bit of a character. He actually ended up on the terraces when he came down to Griffin Park, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, did, how did that come about? Do you know? I think he got kicked out of the Ireland. That's hilarious. Yeah, he's um. It's just par for the course, with you know. You don't even think twice about these things when they're happening. It's... You've got the chairman who's gone up the home end. He's obviously given it large at the home end. He's caused a lot of uh, problems where people decided that they were going to do something to him or whatever like that or causing abuse. And they, the stewards decided that they had to eject the chairman from the home end. And he ended up on the terraces. Now, I, don't, um, I don't know why you want in directors. I mean, I never drilled down on this too much at the time, to be honest with you, because it just seemed like like Chalino like being Chalino, but... But yeah, I don't know why you want because a, a visiting chairman would usually be in executive boxes with your chairman and your executives. But I think Chilino were doing a bit of a Mike Ashley and thought he'd get in there among fans. Maybe uh, I mean I'll, I'll, I'll put this off the record. Obviously, we don't actually have executive boxes at Brentford. But anyway, some sort of reserve seating area, ain't there? Where, where your executives and your chairman and, and whoever you usually sits. So, uh, but listen, like, you know, last you know you started off your season started off quite badly. We played you at the, at the beginning of the season quite early on in September. And, uh, and and Brentford really took the game to you guys, I remember rightly. We, we, we scored a, a penalty try. We got a penalty, and I think we probably hit uh, one of the airplanes that was uh, flying past at the time. Yeah, I think it's all been downhill ever since. I mean, when we played you last time, we'd, we'd won four on bounce under Neil Redfern in his first spell. 
after we'd yeah. replaced um, Dave Ockaday and and then we hired Darko Milanic, who, who it was his first game last time we played you. Oh. And at the time, I think you just lost 3-0 and 4-0 to Butter and Norwich. So it seemed to be a turning point for both teams. We we were above you at the start of play, and, and after that, we just sort of plummeted downwards and you sort of upwards. So I think, really, if there's anything to blame for this season, it's probably Dempsey. <laughs> yeah, OK, cheers. We put our heads up. We, we're, we're quite happy to take you the blame for yeah, that one. Yeah, i you that. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's right. Actually, we we just lost the bar. I think with us, we actually had a little bit of a look back on ourselves. Norwich, we played absolutely fantastic. Borough, we played absolutely horrendous. And then it came to Leeds, and uh, I mean, we you know, I'm not saying it at all, but we actually ripped you apart in that game, if I remember rightly. We were we were just, yeah. It's almost like we were so upset that we went to Borough and didn't play. We just went to the Leeds game and played. And there was actually a vote on the Brentford website that voted. We voted after the first 23 games. Who was the worst team that we played this season? It was actually Leeds. If I remember rightly, I think it was actually Leeds United. Um, you know, and again, it's not who was the worst team of the league. It was obviously Blackburn are terrible. Wigan are terrible. It's just the first first team that we'd actually seen physically that season in the first 23 games. And I think that, um, as you said, it was a bit of a downturn for yourself. But on the flip side of that, you know, recently you've taken eight points out of the last 12. So, you know, it's looking up at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, we seem to have got us back together since Christmas, and I don't think it's any surprise. I think under Neil Redfern, we were like, like that first spell that we had before we played you, and and it gone far undefeated. I think it's always been there under Neil Redfern. We've always had that ability, but it's been sort of fractured by these these other managers that we've inserted in between, and these these spells of chaos and you know everyday events at Leeds United just sort of undermined everything that's going on on the pitch. Not not deliberately, but but certainly, you know, played its part. Yeah, I mean, you, you've had a couple of really, be really good results. Obviously, the, the Bournemouth result that must be, uh, you must think that's that's that that's a really good indicator for the future as well. And that, I think you got a last minute last minute winner against Huddersfield as well, wasn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, that would undermine slightly by their defender um, being down injured. But yeah, it were, it were some scenes were that Billy Sharp went into the crowd and so yeah, so it's to beat Huddersfield. Yeah, that's right. I mean, they weren't overly happy about that. And uh, like I said, you've got, you know, a couple of players who, you know, like I said, who's looking up as well. You've got, you know, obviously you've got Sharp as well. Um, Luke Murphy as well, apparently he's been playing well the last uh, last few months as well, hasn't he? Yeah, he, he does have his moments, does Luke Murphy. Um, we bought him for, he was he were a big money transfer under GFH. And I say big money, it was like a million pound transfer, which, which for Leeds had not been seen in so long. It, it seemed like a big deal. And I think he struggled with that pressure of, of being first person we've, we've paid a decent amount of money for in, I don't know, 10 years. I mean, we, we certainly didn't pay anything like that on debate. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> I think he had that added pressure that's that's maybe lifted a little bit now and he's, he's starting to find his feet and come into his own. Yeah, and I mean, talking about sort of signing, because obviously it's the, the transfer deadline was this week and... Uh, even though you, you, you've got an embargo, I mean, there's ways, you know, there's ways around it and you brought in a few players mainly Italian players, players over from Italy as well quite recently. So you actually you know, you actually did fairly well in the in the transfer market this time, didn't you? Uh, I, I mean, test all day when you start seeing him, but um sold Amber had a good game. He played against um against Uddersfield last time out and he looked pretty good. That's right. Uh, he's a he's a centre back you've got from Palermo, isn't he? Yeah. Um there's a defensive midfield as well, whose name I'm not even gonna try and pronounce. Is that Grandi Ngoi? Yeah, you were <laughs> somewhere along the lines. Um, he's injured now, so that, that, he, he's probably never going to play. And 
Edgar Chani, I think it is. No. I think it's pronounced Chani. Big six-foot uh, Albanian striker. Yeah, it is a bit of a beanstalk. But we had one of them at the start of the season and we got rid of him, even though he scored. So we had a goal scoring one in Matt Smith at the beginning of the season and we got rid of him and then we brought in Italian one in January deciding that we needed height. So okay. a bit of a strange move all round. Well, I mean, it must have been, that's, that's got the tongues wagging at Brentford. Everyone's going, oh my God, you know, Leeds have just brought in a massive six foot four Albanian striker. Um, you know, <laughs> it sounds good on paper, doesn't it? Yeah, well, the thing is, because I'll see, if you see our team, our team's actually quite small. And, uh, I mean, there's no, no hiding, you know, it's not as if I'm giving away any tactical nows or anything like that, but, you know, sort of kind of defending, you know, for, go, us going up for corners and sort of defending sort of set pieces and stuff like that, we can be a little bit weak on that. So all of a sudden we see you've got a six foot four man coming. I don't know if they brought him in just specifically for this game. So well, we've uh, had the same problem. I mean, we've, we've not scored a headed goal all season up till Billy Sharp scored that winner against Huddersfield last weekend. So we've had the same sort of eye problems. We've been going out against some teams, and it looks like under 15 sides playing, you know, oh, men's right. side. It. Okay. Um, well, especially if... with youngsters that we've got in, we've got like three, three or four youngsters in team. And, you know, it's quite noticeable that they're, you know, a bit smaller than than your bigger right. players in in some of these teams that are flying high at the top. So, but we've definitely had the same problem. All right. Okay. Well, as long as you keep it on the floor for us, that'll that'll keep us happy as well. If if that makes you comfortable, right, you know. So, um, but Rodolfo Austin. Um, he looked like he was off to Wigan, and then it just didn't happen. What was that all yeah, about? Yeah, I, I don't know what was going on there. I think somebody behind the scenes had, had maybe been chatting with Wigan, and that got leaked out. And then Neil Redfern were talking in press that they wanted to keep him, and that's probably applied a bit of pressure into to keeping hold of him. I mean, his, his contract's up at end of the season, so I think there were always some. You know, feeling that he might go this window anyway. The, t- the Titanic of Wigan is, isn't probably the best destination for Rodolfo because he's a he's half decent player. I mean, he's a half decent player. I met him actually in Jamaica a couple of couple of months ago. I interviewed him after he won the uh, Caribbean Cup for Jamaica and I had All a right. little chinwag with him. Yeah, which is cool. We uh, had a little chinwag after the match. He was very excited about getting back to Leeds and just mucking in with you guys. So uh, it was a bit of a surprise actually when I heard that he was thinking of of leaving you, but. He's with you for the long term, or for the end of this season anyway, which is a good thing. Um, but you had a couple of other players as well, and I don't know how this has affected you. Like you had Stephen Warnock, who went to Derby. Um, that was a mistake, I think. But I mean, we've we've got Charlie Taylor that's coming at left back. Is is another youngster? Well, he's yeah. twenty one, but he's he's fairly young. He's got very little experience. Yeah. He's done really really well. Full credit to lad. But I mean, Stephen Warnock would have his best player hands down up till up till the point that he left. So I think you that was a big loss. Okay, I mean, have you noticed the effect of him not being there? I mean, I know you've got this new kid that's come in, but he was a bit of a sort of a, you know, a bit of a rock, bit of a sort of, you know, yeah, beacon I mean, in the side, wasn't he? Yeah, I think like Charlie Taylor's performances have kind of glossed over it a little bit, but but um, Stephen Warnock were probably the only really experienced dead that we had. The the one that you know you were sort of looking to, to rile them up a little bit when when things were going down, but. Results have kind of improved since it went. So who knows? So maybe, 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 maybe they got it right. You know, you got and Michael Tung went to Millwall. You had Noel Hunt who uh, disappeared off to Ipswich, and Jason yeah. Pierce to Wigan. You know, are they? Does that Not really many. affect? What I don't think any of them have missed. Um, I was just, saying, I've just got to bring it back to the fact that you know the fans. I know that these fans always are very upset. The fact that everywhere they go, doesn't matter what position you are, you could be top of the league, you could be bottom of the league, and everywhere. 
teams are always charging you a fortune to get in. I think it's like 41 quid at Ipswich and so on and so forth, like, you know, mm. which, you know, isn't, isn't fair. I mean, we have to say on the flip side of it, Leeds haven't been overly fair with the away fans. I mean, the £34 that they charged us, £39 on the day, and by sticking us in the most expensive part of the ground, it's, it's you know... It's, you it's also the most run-down part of the ground as well, isn't it? So it's it's sort of a double double kicking teeth for us. You know, I'm just wondering what Leeds fans think about that, especially, you know, do you find it embarrassing, the fact that you kind of, you know, you find your club sort of, you know, just, just not respecting the away fans in the same way that other clubs come down to you and just completely rinse you just because you've got a really large fan base. Well, we used to stick you in corner at South Stand in a bit that we call the cheese wedge because it's yeah. yellow seats, best that seats are blue and that bit's yellow, so it got known as the cheese wedge. Right. And that was fairly reasonably priced. Plus, it had a better atmosphere because it generally sold out. So, yeah, yeah. I think the, the the real loss has not so much been robbing fans as it has teams aren't bringing as many fans and it's affecting atmosphere at Ellen Road. You know, a lot of Brentford fans, unfortunately, doesn't matter how good we're doing, have just decided to give Leeds a miss and putting their money into Charlton and Birmingham, who are charging 20, 20, 20 quid, I think it is, at the end of the month, which is a bit of a shame, you know. But one of them things that I think as fans we need to just kind of fight together to, to ensure that we can actually kind of keep those prices down. But anyway, but looking forward to the game. You guys are on a good run. We lost against Borough, but, you know, we're not playing too bad. How do you think the game's going to pan out the weekend? I'd take a draw. I'd take a draw now. But, um, I don't think there'll be many goals in it. Neither team seems to be the most prolific of scorers and seems to be a lot of one nils in there on your side. Um we we we'll concede because we pretty much always concede, so probably one one, two one. Right. And we we always concede as well, pretty much. Um last few games we haven't conceded other than Borough but wicked. So listen, some David it's been great talking to you, man. Yep, you too. Yeah, and hopefully we'll uh, catch up for you at the weekend. A couple of beers before the game maybe. We'll just uh, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, wicked man. All right then, take care. Okay, good luck for us the season. All right, good luck then. Cheers. So that was David Wilkinson from the Scratching Shed blog, and he had quite a few things to say about Leeds. Talked about Massimo Cellino. Wasn't sure about him. Hearts are the right place, but a little bit bonkers. Talked about all their managers rotating. Talked about the fact that they're actually on a bit of form at the moment now. Eight points out of twelve. And uh, obviously, Redfern's uh, up for manager of the month as well. And we're keeping our fingers crossed that he actually gets it because that'll actually do us a favour on Saturday, fingers crossed. Leeds on Saturday, boys. What do you reckon? My heart and my head say we're going to go there and win. Um, we we could have won the last time we went there, Bill. Um, that, was a, that was a good day out. We've got one all draw. Um, but uh, I think, I, I think if, we, if we play our game... I think we need to forget where we're going. I think if we just look at the team on the pitch and forget the surroundings, forget the, the badge, I, I think I think we're capable of getting three points from that match. The tails are up, eight points out of 12, doing it well. They've delved into the transfer market, even though they've got no chairman because he's, you know, he's not allowed to be there. But, you know, as you said, Dave, they've managed to pick up a few guys from Palermo from Italy. It's funny that. And uh, also they've got this Edgar Kani, which is the big six-foot-four Albanian striker who uh, it may or may not cause us problems. It depends on if he, he goes in and uh, decides to just launch himself with, at the corners and, and, and the free kicks, which, you know, could cause us a few problems, isn't it? I guess it depends if he's actually any good because, um, you know, 
I'm thinking, well, he's Albanian, isn't he? I was thinking of Lorenzo Pinamonte. Was it? Was that his name? Oh, yes. Yes. yes that's right. um, that was quite a big lad, but he wasn't much cop, was he, really? He's a bit of a ladies' man, though, according to Lloyd Owusu, as he talked about in the Lloyd Owusu interview. But um, that was about it, wasn't it? Yeah, it's hard to say because I've not, I've not seen the guy play. I mean, he sounds like he's a man mountain. Um, I think we can probably deal with that. Um, I, 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 I mean, to be honest, long ball teams we tend to do okay against. So if they want to lump it long ball, then um, keep giving us the ball. I think that's fine. Not sure yeah. if they'll be lumping it long ball. I'm keeping our fingers crossed, I think they're going to be trying to play football as well, um, which may play right into our hands, isn't it? I'm only thinking if you're going to play a six foot four bloke up front, then unless he's incredibly got incredible touch and he's very very good, then I don't see what strengths you're paying to. And if he's that good, he probably wouldn't be playing in Albania and signing for Leeds. Albanian football is is on the rise. Though. I mean, they're 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 doing all right in their their qualifying group um, for for the Euros. They're 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 sitting third. You've got Denmark and Portugal above them. They've only played a couple of games. They're they're they're, they're doing all right. So you know, I know Albanian. Albania has been a bit of a laughing stock, but I think I think you know, and there was there was talk about Brentford being involved in some Albanian business not so long ago. So um, I think I think I think they're, they're again their stocks rising. I think their 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 their, uh, their infrastructure, their football and development is uh, is, is is improving. But, I, um, I suppose my prejudice comes from the fact I've I've not read much about him apart from he's six foot four. He loves he loves normal wisdom. That's, that's what we do know. If he comes from Albania, that's, that's for sure. They all, love, they all love him. Everyone loves normal wisdom. So listen, boys, let's wrap this up. Just I, go I around the table say, here. Can I just say, before we do that, there is one thing that really concerns me about Leeds, and that's Neil Redfern's hair. He's got oh, this yeah. thinning hair that he's sort of doing into a faux hawk thing, which is the, the it has to be the strangest manager's hair. Well, he needs some <laughs> of that caffeine shampoo, does he? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, or just shave it off. <laughs> sort it out, mate. Sort it okay. out. Well, fingers crossed. If he if he wins the manager of the month award and he shaves his head, head, head shaves his hair, then we know that we're right in there. So come on, boys, round the table. Give us a score prediction for this Leeds Brentford match. Who's first in, Bill? Who are you going? Who are you going to ask first? I'm going to ask myself. Go on, then you ask yourself. I'm going to go. I'm going to go two nil to the Mighty Bees. Are you going to ask after you then? I'm going to ask the Allards. I'm going to go one nil to the Mighty Bees. Oh. Are you going to ask next? Um, I'm not sure. Okay, you I'm, go. I'm going to go two one to Brentford. Okay, so everyone's fairly confident we're going to get, or well, very confident we're going to get a result up at Leeds. Are we so- haven't unanimous yet. We've had a few unanimous, but yeah. Probably before Brighton in the FA Cup. So listen, good chatting to you, lads. This was the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. Off the leads on Saturday. Very much looking forward to it. Up on the train up there very early. Found some sort of pub, that folk club during the night, apparently, that we're going to be putting ourselves down in, which should be a bit of a laugh. And um, you can check out us on besotted.co.uk. You can also... Go to audioboom.com, Besotted. Push some button on there and you can subscribe. Also, go to iTunes, search out Besotted, B-E-E-S-O-T-T-E-D. Push the button there and you can subscribe to us. And also videos. We do a video for every single match. YouTube.com forward slash Besotted 1992. These are the lads from Besotted. I'm Billy Grant, Dave Lane. 
Cheerio. Matt Allard. We're off the leads on Saturday. And hopefully we're going to come back with three points. Come on, you bees. Come on, you bees. You bees. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Open them up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.